where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. Our scripture lesson this morning is from the Gospel of John, and it's part of the farewell discourse. In other words, it's part of the three chapters where Jesus is preparing his students for his death, for his time of leaving. And it contains beautiful imagery of father and son, which is kind of strange on Mother's Day. Um, and I suppose I could have changed it to mother-daughter. And you can do that in your mind as you hear what is read. But I want to invite you to release the binary of male and female and to listen to the tenderness and to the intimacy of the relationship between parent and child between teacher and students. Some of the traditional language says, do not let your hearts be troubled. How beautiful when someone knows your heart. Or I'm going to prepare a place for you. In other words, I'm going to do this with you in mind. And where I am, there, there you may be also. In other words, you will always be with me. Or this one, if you know me, you know the one who abides in me, the one who created me. Now I have to tell you, this one makes me giggle a little bit because one of the odd realities of uh, Beth and I, is that when our lives came together, both of us had already lost our parents. So we never met each other's parents. Now imagine that for a moment. Imagine what that eliminates in a good way. <laughs> um, and so at times we would tease each other about that. And one time Beth said to me, you know, I, I wish I had met your mother. I said, oh, you have, honey. <laughs> you have. I just haven't told you. If you know me, you know the one who abides in me, the one who created me. And this, you will do the works that I do, and in fact, you will do even greater works. The intimacy of a common ministry. The subject here throughout all of this is really eternal life, or that which is eternal. A relationship will not be severed by death. The bond of love cannot be broken. The relationship continues even as it changes. And the relationship that continues is a way of participating in the very being of God. And not just the very being of God, the very works of God. Today's passage is a look back a recap of what was spoken before the crucifixion and the resurrection. I mean, we are in the Easter season here. And Jesus is planting the seeds of what is to come, sparking the imagination and inviting the students to expand their perspective. 
there's much that the students do not yet understand. And you'll hear this in their questions. I already shared with you some of the traditional language, so this morning I'm going to read this passage to you from the message translation. Don't let this throw you. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. There is plenty of room for you in my father's home. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get your room ready, I'll come back and get you so you can live where I live. And you already know the road I'm taking. Thomas said, Master, we have no idea where you're going. How do you expect us to know the road? Jesus said, I am the road, also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. You've even seen him. Philip said, Master, show us the Father, then we'll be content. You've been with me all this time, Philip, and you still don't understand? To see me is to see the Father. So how can you ask, where is the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you aren't mere words. I don't just make them up on my own. The Father who resides in me crafts each word in a divine act. Believe me, I am in my Father and my Father is in me. If you can't believe that, believe what you see, these works. The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things, because I am on my way to the Father and am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. You can count on it. From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I am doing, I'll do it. That's how the Father will be seen for who he is in the Son. I mean it. Whatever you request in this way, I'll do. Many have been talking about this time in the life of our country in particular, and even the global pandemic as a liminal season, a time where there's been major disruption, major heartache, and the pathway forward is not yet clear. It's the space between what was and what will be, and the quintessential image for this is the trapeze artist who goes from one trapeze to the next, and that at one moment it includes not being in contact with either one. We have clearly let go of life as we knew it. And we're in that suspended place before we can hold on to and grab hold of what is to come. This is a creative space. It's a space of tension, of being in between. It's a kind of space that lends itself to rereading your journal, seeing the patterns and the progressions of your life, perhaps revisiting conversations that begin to make sense in a new way, or asking new questions, or asking the same questions but to different people, 
and having the presence to allow new information or understanding, to allow a different perspective or a moment of clarity to settle into your bones, into the depth of your being. It's like cement, or it's even like all the work that's been done on our parking lot. It needs to settle before we can drive on it and before we can use it. What's always at question in liminal spaces is the value of our commitments and our habits. What are we being asked to let go of and what will we keep? What matters? What is depleting and no longer healthy and what is life-giving? That question of what is life-giving always reminds me of a quote by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. I remember reading her book and what stood out for me was the quote, love makes your world bigger. Think about how isolation can make isolation and unhealthy habits and destructive relationships can make your world smaller. Even unhealthy and destructive perspectives can make your world smaller. And love makes it bigger. I mean, Jesus is blowing out their vision of what a Messiah is and what it means for him to die. The whole program or concept that Jesus is trying to share and pass on and continue as a partner in is this. We learn and are healed by committing ourselves to others especially those at the margins. And the gift of community is found in the ways we let other people get through to us and the way we move out of ourselves. There are countless movements and social actions that are birthed from this perspective, where in an instant, lives are changed and a new mission is born. There's an expression in circles of parents who have lost children to death that says when you lose a child, you gain a mission. It's worth noting that these new missions included discomfort and disruption and are sustained by a deep sense of care and compassion. In addition to the traditional ways that you and your family may be celebrating or avoiding Mother's Day. I want to add this to the possibility of a way to celebrate giving birth to new missions and ministries. It was all the way back in 1980 that Candace Leitner lost her daughter Carrie in a car crash that was caused by a drunk driver. Candace began Mothers Against Drunk Driving, which is still in operation today. And their mission continues to be to eliminate drunk and drugged driving. In 2011, Sarah Cunningham started Free Mom Hugs. She was here in the sanctuary space 
in February. Her son came out at that time, and that disrupted everything for her. In fact, at first, she wasn't sure whether she was going to go down the path of a religion that taught her that GLBTQ and their communities is not okay, or if she was going to allow her love for her son to reframe her theology and her relationship with church. So this is an organization of moms. Who love the LGBT plus community, and she and her representatives throughout the country stand in as moms at weddings, when real moms are not willing, or birth moms are not willing. She all she and her representatives also stand in at graduations, and any time a mother's presence would be wanted. In 2012, Shannon Watts wrote a Facebook post the day after the Sandy Hook massacre. This was the beginning of Mom's demand action. Her children were not connected to that massacre directly, but of course, all children are connected to that massacre, as are all moms and dads and parents and teachers and administrators and community members, and first responders. And so this ministry quickly burst into the universe, and is still to this day trying to help. To help protect people from gun violence, there's a chapter in every state. In 2013, it was the death of Trayvon Martin and the acquittal of the man who killed him that led three African American women to begin Black Lives Matter. This is an organization, a nonviolent organization, committed to. Dismantle systemic racism, and at every turn, is against violence. What these ministries have in common are people who said, "I can do something about this." I'm not even sure that that's how it started. With that thought, it might have started with, "I need to say something." Something needs to be done, and then they grew into their power to influence and to create change. There's another ministry that was born in 2016, and I'm going to let Deborah Simmons share that with us now. Not too long ago. Pastor Sarah asked me to speak today, Mother's Day, about my experience giving birth to the Reentry Initiative, which is a mission supported by this church in a big way. I'd like to tell you about the process as I experienced it, comparing it to raising our two kids now, 27 and 29. So it all starts with conception. Tri was conceived in a women's prison in Marysville, Ohio. I remember the morning it happened as I sat with a group of women inmates talking about their lives. 
Several women friends and I visited this prison weekly for six years to lead a 12-step oriented Bible study. It was truly an immaculate conception. I remember the moment when I was struck by a very deep, strong desire to be a bridge to help these women start new lives. I remember the feeling of my heart being filled and the strong conviction that I could help. In that way, it was like a physiological experience. This Ohio correctional facility where I conceived this idea was run by a warden who allowed churches to visit on Sundays and offer services. We even came in on Christmas Eve to sing carols to the 100 men and 44 women who were incarcerated there. The many Christmas Eves we spent there deeply touched us. The inmates roused from their beds would stagger out in their jammies into the dark gathering area lit only by our candles and us singing Silent Night. Many cried and hugged one another as they grasped the sweetness of the moment. My work in the prison always reminded me that many of these women were addicted to something like me. I am an alcoholic. Like so many of our women, I too had been sexually abused in my earlier life. But unlike many of the women we visited, I had the financial resources and family support that I needed to get treatment and heal. They didn't. Instead, prison was the intervention that allowed them to deal with their addiction and abuse. I felt the deep connection we shared as alcoholics or addicts, and it erased the distance between us. Together, we all felt the power of love and forgiveness and its power to erase our shame and set us free. Shame keeps us locked in old destructive patterns, but by accepting love, we start the journey to freedom and new life. Changing old habits and learning new responses takes time and practice, which is what TRI offers. Pregnancy. I carried the idea or seed of this new entity inside me for several years while I learned about the challenges of reentry and worked as a part-time counselor to these women. I also volunteered by conducting weekly Sunday services, church services. I'll never forget one Sunday, men and women were seated on opposite sides of the prison's living room for the service where Columbus's drug court judge, Bob Graham, gave his testimony. Ironically, he had sentenced many of these women and men to this facility. He talked to them about how his faith was key to his own recovery from alcoholism. The chasm between judge and inmate disappeared as they heard his stories of his own addiction and recovery. Their shame melted as a higher up showed he was one of them. It was a powerful moment of redemption. Labor and birth. Just like the 13 hours of labor it took to give birth to Chris and the eight hours for Carolyn, delivering Tri took work lasting about 12 months. As Tri's midwife, Wayne guided a small group of us for over a year to discuss best practices and the reentry needs in Boulder County. We actually gave birth to Tri in Colorado in the conference room of Wayne's company. He was the midwife. He brought his many years of corporate experience to our planning process. Mind you, 
in the delivery room of our children's birth, he was not quite as helpful. He almost fainted twice. In contrast, though, through his unwavering commitment to Tri's birth, we achieved our nonprofit status in October of 2016, and Tri was officially born. But like any newborn, the organization posed unexpected and new challenges. Our infancy was exhilarating, but lots of work. Our dreams and plans on paper were transformed into programs, fundraising, volunteers, boards, renting an apartment, getting permission to work inside the prison. So what have I learned about being a mother from parenting this mission? My learning about Growing Tries Ministry is much like what I learned from parenting my own kids. As any parent knows, babies don't come with an instruction manual. The full weight of parenthood hit when we strapped our new little baby boy, Chris, into the back seat of our car to take him home from the hospital. I was jolted by the realization that they were turning him over to me. What did I know? There was a sense of unknown, but sheer determination supported by unquestioning love and commitment. The same is true of Try. I have no idea. Whatever made me think I could start a nonprofit to help people reenter from incarceration. Somehow, God infused such a strong conviction within me that I plowed forward. Quite frankly, until you're in the thick of it, you have no idea how hard a thing is going to be and how vulnerable you feel that you're going to totally screw, the, screw up the whole thing. But even though there were days I wanted to, there was no way I could quit either. In hindsight, I can see that my 29-year-old son and 27-year-old daughter somehow survived our parenting and have grown up into wonderful people with many accomplishments, attesting to their many strengths. But it wasn't easy. There were times when we were totally dependent on God, flailing against the dark beast of Chris's heroin addiction, never knowing for sure if our efforts would keep him alive. By God's grace and five treatment programs and his hard work, he's clean. He made it, and so did we. The same is true with launching Try. As its founder and mother, I felt totally responsible for everything Try does, and I'm now learning to control my fierce need to protect its mission and our participant, much like a mother bear guarding her cubs. I can clearly see that God has honored his call on my life, so I'm letting go, just like with my kids. Thanks to the wisdom of so many of you who have come alongside us and to our capable staff and board, we have made it one step at a time, responding to the unexpected as best we can, trusting that God has us covered. Has us covered. I wish I had recorded the frequent experiences of divine intervention that have carried us these past few years since starting Try. Clearly, God is watching over this young organization. Birthday parties. Where are we today? We are approaching our fourth year since our nonprofit status. We have moved from infancy to a growth stage. Nurtured by this church and many of you who joined in Tri's mission, we continue to watch our women blossom and establish new lives, and some come to this church. 
This community is like a godparent, and for that I am forever grateful. It does take a village. So today, for all of you mothers who have experienced the joys and pains of motherhood, enjoy the fruits of all your labors. Happy Mother's Day. Remember, the whole program and concept Jesus is trying to share and pass on and continue as a partner in is this. We learn and are healed by committing ourselves to others, especially those at the margins. And the gift of community is found in ways we let other people get through to us and the way we move out of ourselves. So friends, another question for this liminal time is what is this moment asking for? 